Hello there, I'm Paul Carruthers from Moto America, and you're listening to Off Track with Paul Carruthers and Sean Bice. Sean Bice is my cohort, and he happens to be in Ohio. I'm in Southern California, and it's pissing down rain, so I don't know if your weather is better than mine or not, and I also don't know why we talk about the weather every time we start one of these podcasts, but uh, we might as well continue with that trend, and tell me about your weather, Sean. Yeah, I think it's good. We, I always am curious what you guys are having for weather out there because right now, no rain right now, but it's probably cold enough that it could snow a little bit. Um, it tends to sometimes get cold enough where it just doesn't snow, but it's it's not great weather. It's it's good good night to be inside. But uh, hey, Paul, I wanted to ask you. I'm sure that you have seen that uh, the movie a, a Christmas Story, the one with uh, Ralphie. Yes, I have the one you'll okay. lose an eye. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those movies that you flip through the channels this time of year, and it's always on. And I don't know that I've actually ever seen it all from the beginning to the end, but, you know, I always catch it at a certain point, and it becomes episodic, and I put it together in my brain. But the reason I bring it up, other than the fact that it's the holiday season, is Pam and I, my wife and I, went up, uh, happened to be in Cleveland uh, this summer, and found out that we were in the neighborhood of this Tremont Street, which is where the Christmas Story house is. They actually filmed the movie at this house. So we said, ah, what the heck, we'll, we'll go over there. And it's on the west side of Cleveland. And we don't know Cleveland that well, but it's exactly what you would expect where the house is. It looks like this neighborhood from back in the day. And the house is pr- probably a little bit over restored, but it's just one of those funny things. I'm sure you've experienced this before. Um, the analogy I always make is when you go to a football game and I'm always amazed at how it seems like 10 yards you could basically fall down and, and make 10 yards, you know? It always seems smaller, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, until you're down there. Well, yeah, until you're down on the field, but it always looks like that. So this house, I mean, it's just this unassuming house in the middle of this neighborhood that's a little bit, like I say, it's a little too pristine for the other houses in the neighborhood, but, you know, they've got the they got the lamp in the window. I was going to ask you about the lamp. So the lamp is in the <laughs> <Yeah>. window? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, you can take a tour of the house and, they actually had to reconfigure it because some of the inside scenes they didn't actually shoot in that house. It was on a sound t- sound stage as you would have, uh, expect, but they kind of remodeled the house to include some of the scenes. But yeah, they make it they make it so the lamp is right there in the window. So, um, but it's pretty funny. I mean, it, it reminds me a lot of uh, where I grew up back home, and you know the guests that we're having on today are, are from uh, near where I grew up, so they're from near Rochester in some of those small towns, but it reminds me of a Christmas story too. So um, I want to give away our guests. Well, I'm not going to say anything. You go, you go, you start, you go ahead. But I had to start by telling you that story that I actually was at the house where Ralphie, Ralphie was. What I'm going to, I want to include our guests in the conversation. Um, So I'm not going to go ahead and talk to you about all the stuff that we've got going on because there's obviously, this has been a huge week um, as far as new, as far as news go with the, uh, with the Moto America series. So we'll just uh, we'll let the guests join in and and uh, and, and talk about it as well. Um, you know, I, I I'm going to be perfectly honest. God, that's one of those things I say all the time, and I shouldn't. Um, <laughs> no, you know, everybody has a stupid thing that they say all the time, and right when it comes out of my mouth, I'm like, God damn it, why did you say that again? No, so, I get anyway. it. I say I say you know all the time, and it drives me nuts when I hear it on the playback. Yeah. So I know I it's you. hard when you when you have to listen to yourself and you realize you're an idiot. <laughs> it's the worst. Um, the guest we have today is one of my favorites in the paddock, if not my very favorite. And I think this guest is everyone's favorite. 
Um, this guest is personable, professional, and God, she's so cute. And our guest today is <laughs> Anna Wyman. And, you know, I mean, we're going to let her bring, we're going to have another guest here, but really, I just want everyone to know that the only reason we're having Kyle Wyman on the show is because of Hannah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, I'm kidding. You know, I uh, love you both equally. And anyway, I want to welcome you two to the show. Um, sort of newlyweds. I guess it's newlyweds for the first year. Um, recently yeah. back from a, um, from a honeymoon that had good parts and bad parts. Um, <laughs> and we'll, we'll get to that. But, uh, anyways, welcome you guys. I know, I know Kyle's out here in, uh, in Southern California and, uh, Hannah's back on, on the East Coast, closer to Sean, I guess. So, uh, welcome in and, and how, how are we, how are we doing back there? Thanks for having oh. us. Paul. Yeah, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> yeah. When you said your favorite person, so cute, this guest, I was like, yep, here's my intro. Took it That's right away from me. <laughs> well, yeah, once I he knew... said she, it was all, I was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> yeah, I knew, I knew Kyle thought I, I would think I was talking about him, but um, in this case, I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm that good. I'm, I'm here where the where the rain's pissing down in L.A. Just like you. Yeah, I know. And, and do you have to do you have to make your way south at some point today, or do you stay up there? Uh, I'm just gonna go into Orange County where I'm staying oh, for a couple nights, drive. just just running around. Yeah, well, I can sit out the traffic while we're doing this podcast. There you go. Are you actually driving? I'm just sitting in the rental car. Oh, okay, good. I don't want you to drive. Get crashed. Do Sean. He's got more money. <laughs> hey, Kyle, are you going to sleep on Keith McCarty's floor tonight? He's in Orange County. Haven't spoken to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he always welcomes anybody in, so give him a call if you need a place to stay. <laughs> All right. I'm back you in You can New always York. hit it's me like up. I have a nice here. garage. It's what there? <laughs> yeah. 29 degrees here. I'm missing That's Arizona about what right it is now. here, Hannah. Same thing. So I want, hey Hannah, I want to ask you, and and actually Kyle, I know Kyle, Kyle grew up in Masson, and you you grew up or live in Spencerport or did I should say? Yeah. Uh, are either of those towns? You guys have seen a Christmas story, right? And do you, do your towns have that sort of a feel, like in that movie at all? Well, maybe more in like the village of Spencerport. It's really small. Um, I feel like even though Masson's kind of farther away, Kyle definitely grew up in a bigger town than I did. Oh wow. But it's mostly, it's very suburban. It's like, you know, nice development. My parents built the house I grew up in, so it was kind of newer. That's really mm. cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and you guys, so you had quite a trip. Tell us about that, and also <laughs> tell us about every part of what the, the visit. Or the, well, we don't want every I mean, part of their no, honeymoon. well, I... I always God, go Sean, you're I creeping. I didn't mean that, but you guys know what I'm talking about. There's a, there is a one component of the trip that is just a terrible thing. But anyway, go ahead and tell us how that went. Where do we even start? <laughs> at, at the beginning. <laughs> so the plan, the original plan was to go to Sepang in Malaysia uh, for MotoGP and start off our trip kind of there and then make our way to Bali. Indonesia 
And then we realized that the schedule kind of lined up perfectly for us to catch the Valencia, the last round of MotoGP in Spain on the way home. So we were going to go to Valencia and we were just going to go to Paris and then come back. However, <laughs> <laughs> we, we decided after the Bali leg of the trip, it was time to come home. Um, Maybe Kyle can start you off with, you know. Yeah, tell first. us, Kyle. Pick up, pick up the story from there. He can, he can start us off in Malaysia. Oh, well, yeah. First thing that happened was I lost my wallet on a layover in Tokyo. And uh, we didn't find out till we got to Malaysia. And we're checking into the hotel. So we At had like to five kinda, in the morning. Yeah, we had to kind of figure that stuff out. We got in there and uh, it was a brand new hotel. I mean, we we were uh, you know obviously jet lagged from it was exactly twelve hours difference time difference. So wow. what what's six a.m. to six p.m. If you've ever gone to Asia, it's it's pretty crazy. So it takes a few days just to try to figure out which way is up. And uh, and we actually the reason we wanted to go to Sepang was was not a lot of people know, but we're we're good friends with Hafiz Siren, who races oh, for wow. the Tech Three Yamaha team. Yeah. And it seems like a really odd friendship, but uh, he actually rode an XR 1200 Harley Davidson for me and my team back in 2013 at Indianapolis. That's right, at Indy. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So we've kind of been friends since then. He always has come by when he's at the the U.S. Grand Prix, and and uh, we went there to see his first home GP in the Premier Class, and uh, we hung out with him for the weekend, and it was really cool. He took good care of us we stayed at the same hotel as him so we ate breakfast with him he drove us to the track in the mornings and it was it was cool it was uh it was a pretty good weekend and and he came from last on the grid to finish in, in uh, the top 10 yeah so he had a good it event was, it, how's his english kyle is it pretty good it is so much better than when we first met him That's so much better wow. yeah really good hey i is he kind of, is he a big star? Is he sort of known there? I mean, do people realize who he is? Oh, he's he can barely go in public. Yeah, oh, he couldn't awesome. walk through the hotel. The staff at the hotel was stopping him to take selfies and just talk to him. It was really wow. cool. So cool. Well, you know what I'm gonna they're, they're big fans I, of MotoGP over there. If I ever get to meet him, I I I actually owe him dinner because I do this MotoGP poll, uh, like a a fantasy thing, and in that Malaysian Grand Prix, I had him, I think I chose him. I, I had like the 15th or 16th pick and somehow he was that low. So I was able to get him. Um, and as we know, he finished 10th, but they, they pay bonus points based on where they qualify versus where they finish. So I got so many nice. bonus points with him. I actually got more <laughs> points than the guy who won the race. And I ended up winning the uh -huh. entire freaking fantasy league. And it was like 600 bucks. So that's my claim to fame. Wow. But Damn. I, wow. I, I actually, uh, I actually owe him something, maybe dinner or something. But. <laughs> How do you say his first name? Hafiz. Uh, Hafiz. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Hafiz, and now it's like his, uh, his nickname is Pescal, which is Spanish for fish. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, sure. Hafiz, Hafiz. You know, he's really good in the rain, stuff like that. So, so it's actually so. That's like, so so Pat, Pascal Picot is fish Picot. <laughs> no, Pascal. Well, it's, yeah, it's P E S. It's like it's like Pisces <laughs> is, or yeah. Oh, uh, okay. This is Spanish, not French. 
<laughs> well, I, yeah, well, I figured it wouldn't be French. Nobody would name their kid fish. So, uh, so speaking of having dinner or eating fish, uh, Kyle, yeah, so. <laughs> oh, that's a good segue. Your, yeah, continue uh, with your story. Yeah, well, yeah, this is a, this is a week later, but you know, we we uh, finished up the race weekend in Sepang. We we're all excited. We we're like, man, that was a crazy trip. We're finally not jet lagged. Finally, we're gonna go relax in Bali, in Indonesia. And uh, man, culture shock. Uh, pretty crazy. Just just being in this completely different place where there's scooters everywhere and cabs are trying to grab you and get you to you know jump in theirs and you know we're trying to just figure out our way aggressive oh yeah big time and uh we we had a good first couple days we stayed at this really nice hotel kind of like a boutique hotel that you know had room service and had all this you know nice amenities that we uh in hindsight took for granted and uh <laughs> it was really good and then uh we we had a couple airbnbs that we booked that were up in uh abud so this is like up in the jungle of bali and it's really disconnected from everything and uh it was about that time that hannah started feeling pretty sick and it kind of sp- spiraled downhill over a course of 48 hours and I'll let her pick it up from here. Yeah. I Were mean, you worried it was morning as... sickness? No, absolutely not. <laughs> I, w- oh, God. I was. Oh. All right. Bad I joke. I was not. <laughs> I was not worried. Oh, okay. Um, so, I mean, just in regards to the infrastructure there and, and about it being a culture shock, the, the roads are very narrow and the scooter drivers are very aggressive, like, they have no problem splitting lanes, passing cars, driving on the opposite side of the road, driving on the sidewalk. So it's it's pretty wild to even just get up there. Because it was so remote, it was a very difficult place to be sick because there was not a lot of resources. And had it been Kyle that was sick, I really don't know how well that would have gone because obviously, given the nature of his profession, he's very well-skilled on a scooter, let alone hmm. driving on the wrong side of the... They drive on the left over there. And in all of this traffic, he was still able to kind of go and get me what I needed and try and find medicine and, and bottled water and clean drinking water and stuff of that nature. Because um, if he had been sick, I wouldn't have been riding that scooter anywhere. I would have ended up getting like hit by a car and we would have had even bigger problems. Hmm. But um, yeah, the first Was it food days, poisoning, Hannah? Was, it, was yeah, that what it was? Basically, they call it Bali Belly, um, which is essentially food poisoning. No matter how you slice it, I had a bacterial infection, um, and it, there there wasn't a lot they can do. They get, they ended up giving me antibiotics, but he took Kyle took me to a clinic, like a twenty four hour quote unquote clinic, at like two o'clock in the morning on the scooter. Roads were damp. Um, because I was in such rough shape and they gave me an IV. We ended up being in the clinic for like 10 hours. And wow. um, it's nothing like American healthcare. Like, it's, <laughs> it was like definitely there was some health code violations in this place for sure. Mm. Um, but I was just grateful Sketchy. to have access to a doctor and to antibiotics and English speaking doctors. And, 
you know, they helped me out a lot. I felt a lot better after we left there, but, um, you know, it wasn't over I mean, after that. The problem that. is, is we, we're, we already fast forwarded through like almost five or six days of her being sick where we really couldn't yeah. do anything. And mm. we were, it finally got to a point where like I had to take her in cause she was so dehydrated and just having such a, such a rough go. It was like, we need to get something in her to get over this. So, you know, this was two different like Airbnbs that we had these nice private villas with pools and stuff. She didn't jump in a pool once the whole trip, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, just the because photos of the place were amazing. Yeah. All that stuff was, was crazy and awesome and, and such a cool experience, but didn't really get to maximize it. So, you know, this was the day we got out of the clinic because it was basically overnight stay. We were so supposed to fly to uh, Spain the next day. And she's so dehydrated that they're like, no way you're getting on a plane. Because our, our flight was Kuala Lumpur to London was the first leg, 14 and a half hours. And, you know, she's already dehydrated. You throw that into the mix, you could really be playing with fire, you know? So we well, were like, worse. crap, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we got to stay here. And, and we had to make the decision to stay two more days and then go home back to the U S and we, we were going to skip the whole Europe thing. And, um, we booked two nights in a Hyatt, which was like the best decision we ever made because we got the out whole of the part. jungle. You're getting too far ahead in this story. You missed the whole part. Okay. And we left. Fill it in. <laughs> oh in yeah. Blanks, Listen, so you, were the, you were the one driving the wrong way down a one way on a scooter in uh, Bali. So you should, so we're yeah. leaving we're leaving the clinic. It's been 10 hours. It's daylight. It's really hot, really humid. I am just absolutely pitiful and miserable. And just, I'm, I'm holding my little bag of medication and like, I'm holding on to Kyle on the back of this scooter. Just like, <laughs> please get me home. This is awful. So we kind of, we got turned around and we were just trying to get back to the villa as quickly as possible. And we ended up going the wrong way down a one way road. Um, and there was some really, nice Balinese. it was shut down to one way. Yeah. You know, it was a two-way road that was shut it. down for one block on one direction. Mm. So, to be but fair. fortunately, the police were right on the corner waiting for us. Ah. Uh, you can go up on them at least? Because... Yeah, no, they, <laughs> no, they pull us over. You know, we're obviously foreigners, tourists, you know. Basically, how much money you got in your pocket, you know, they shook us down for everything we had. And uh, they wanted like, they wanted, yeah, it was pretty bad. (laughs) They wanted 750,000 Indonesian rupiah, which is about 50 bucks. Oh my God. American. So it's not that much money. I only had like 250 or 300 in my pocket. And they were like, we need 750. I'm like, I, I can't. And, uh, that's all I got. And then finally they were like, just holding me there and, and she's crying on the curb. And, uh, and I'm like, look, I was like, look, I just spent 6 million at the clinic overnight with her and because she was sick. That's why I don't have 750,000 freaking whatever your currency is. 
and <laughs> <laughs> so I just gave him what I had in my pocket. We, we had no more cash, and they let me go. So, but oh, they didn't. Just... You didn't have to pay him anything. No, we no, we gave, gave him everything, everything we had. had. Oh, I'm, I missed that. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. Wow. But they asked if you Kyle know. had a license because you know, obviously, he looks like he's incapable of driving a scooter. <laughs> so, like, did, where's did your license? Out, did they have you fill out any paperwork? Is there any documentation, or was no. it just this arbitrary no. thing? Give us money, and we'll let you go. Yep, this give us your money. Totally, you know, money was going in their pockets, one hundred percent. It's crazy. Wow. They were they wanted him to come to court. They're like, you come to court Tuesday. He's like, I'm not going to be here. No. Wow. That's hey, nuts. well, I don't want I don't want to hear you cry the privateer blues anymore because apparently you're a millionaire. In Indonesia, yeah, man, I spent six <laughs> mil on my wife to get her healthy. Yeah, he's going to forever owe you for that. I mean, that's a lot yeah. of money, Kyle. He didn't he didn't let me die yeah. in the jungle. I am eternally indebted to him. Well, you got on the this... side of the road, though. Wow! Literally, and I was—I had bandages on my arm and my wrist. I had a bag full of like antibiotics, and I'm wearing this little ugly helmet that they gave us with the scooter rental. And I'm just sobbing on the sidewalk, and these police officers and other tourists are all staring at me. I was so worn out; I didn't even care. I just cried. <laughs> Miss New York 2017—that's no way to treat her. <laughs> Cannot believe it. You know, all I can I say put, is, do you know who she is? Yeah, yeah exactly. that would that would work. All I can say is, yeah. at least you got the three, three sickness and health part over with right in the honeymoon. Yeah, seriously. Oh, we definitely <laughs> tested it. We ended up having to stay for a couple of extra days because I was deemed unfit to fly. So we pushed our flight out and we booked a Hyatt. We figured that's like the most Western resort we could find. We'd have a lot of resources, room service, what have you. So we get to the Hyatt and it's our last night. And Kyle had found this really nice golf resort next door and was like, do you mind if I go golf? And I'm like, please, I felt so guilty for being so sick. And we hadn't really done much the last couple of days. I'm like, go enjoy yourself. Have a nice afternoon. I'm just going to hang out here. So he comes back, had a really nice time golfing. We go to dinner. We're going to hibachi, which was not actually anything like American hibachi, but that's beside the point. Um, and we're sitting at dinner, and about halfway through dinner, Kyle's just kind of like, I don't feel quite right. Like, I'm not feeling very well. And I was like, oh, no, no. Like, this is just a coincidence, or he just ate too much or something. I don't know. So we go back to the room, and we're supposed to fly out the next morning, and I'm like, we really need to pack. and. He's just looking green and he's got like the cold sweats and he's just sitting on the bed wrapped up and he's like, I'm freezing. I don't feel good. He looked like a little zombie. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm going to pack. I packed all of our stuff. Um, meanwhile, Kyle's just sitting there not having a very good time and uh, ended up getting very, very sick, like projectile movie theater effects <laughs> the exorcist <laughs> oh, oh no i don't do very well with that kind of thing so i yeah. did okay for the most part if it was anybody else it would not have been a good time but it was my husband so i i handled it as well as i could have um <laughs> and he was like yeah you know i feel a lot better now so i'm like okay good 
Like maybe it was just something he ate wasn't sitting quite right or he ate too much or like this, he's going to be fine. We're totally going to be able to get on this plane tomorrow. And then, I don't know, it's probably like, it wasn't even that late. What time was it when you woke up and got sick again? Like 2 a.m., wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And just sick again. And he comes back to bed and I'm like, this, we're not going to be able to fly home tomorrow with you sick like this. So fortunately, we're now at a Hyatt. I picked up the phone, called the concierge and was like, or the front desk. And I was like, do you, do you have a doctor on staff? And they're like, we do. Do you want us to send him to your room right now? <laughs> and I was like, seriously, this is why, you know, Airbnbs are really cool. And we had a private villa, but I didn't have a doctor on staff that could just be sent to my room at two in the morning. So the doctor came. Gave him an an IV with meds like right away. Um, wow! So we were really lucky there. But again, they're like, you shouldn't fly like this, and we ended up having to stay two more days. So we stayed four days longer than we anticipated. And how quickly did you start to feel better, Kyle? Were you starting to get get over it with that medication? Um, I definitely needed the whole two days, but yeah, it um, wasn't like her. It was almost you know eight days or something. Right. You know, so, yeah. Where? How are you guys doing now? Are you guys all fine now? No issues? Oh, yeah. We're good. Yeah, good to go. Yeah. I mean, even we got back to the U.S. Um, like the week, a week before Thanksgiving or so. We weren't going to be in the States for Thanksgiving. And we ended up just saying, forget the rest of our plans. We want to go back to America. And we landed in mm. Dallas and we went straight to Chick-fil-A, if that tells you anything about how we were feeling. <laughs> <laughs> would you do it again to go to chick-fil-a or go to malaysia and indonesia <laughs> go back to malaysia but do it different i mean do you want to go nowhere near bali at this point or do you i mean think you learn some things it's one of those things where you can't no matter what you do no matter how prepared you are because we kind of knew about bali belly and just the bacteria there going into it it doesn't matter mm-hmm. like you're probably going to get sick no matter what you do, no matter who you are, no matter what you eat or how careful you are. Um, It's just, it's one of those things. So, I mean, I would like to go back and redeem myself, but I also have like PTSD from how sick I was there. Um, So I don't have the fondest memories. Perhaps we'll go somewhere tropical. It's much closer or more like (laughs) Florida. Yeah. No, not, not that close. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was gonna, I was gonna ask if when you came back to the U.S. if you got on your knees and kissed the ground, but I guess the Chick Fil A oh, probably yeah. was about this, as symbolic as that. America, you're lucky. You're lucky you didn't come sandwich. back on a Sunday. Oh, oh my gosh, that, that would have been. been I would have been right. so disappointed. Yeah, they would have been closed. You would have been like, oh no. Well, <laughs> you got lucky. There. You guys- I think we left on like a Sunday. And we had Monday twice or something because of the, yeah, the 12 hour time work. difference. That's cool. Yep. So like if you, if the doctor ever tells you you have 24 hours to live, you just keep doing that flight. That's right. <laughs> yeah. <Stay laughs> <in a plane laughs> all you live, yeah, for, you live forever. discovered time travel. Exactly. <laughs> Kyle, did you ever get back law. to Hafish? Did you ever get back to Hafish and let him know what had happened? Oh, yeah. He... He was bummed because, and we were bummed, obviously, we wanted to go to Valencia. And, you know, we've heard so many good things about going to the European rounds and especially that one. And 
we were all set up too because actually Sunday in Sepang we met Gordon from uh, Pole Position Travel. Oh yeah, yeah. So yes. he hosts he hosts people all over the all over the world at all these races, and he hooked us up with uh, some good sweets and stuff on Sunday at the race. So we got to watch a race mm. in the air conditioning and all that. Oh, it was amazing. And the hospitality was awesome. It, yeah, so That's we so were cool. all lined up for that for the whole Valencia weekend too. Uh, so uh, we were we were looking forward to that, but you know we uh, we watched yeah, it we, from we the Hyatt have... in our hotel, and it rained the whole time, so we were nice and dry at the Hyatt mm. in Bali. See that? <laughs> that's one thing I want to talk about with Indonesia is amazing how big of MotoGP fans they are everywhere. Mm. I mean, we yeah, we, we went were into at like we were uh, Hibachi, and the the lady remember she was like. You look like Valentino yeah. Rossi, she said to Kyle. I have no idea why. I don't think she knew what he did for a living, but just randomly was like, "You, you wow. look." And we were like, "What?" That's a new one. <laughs> we were but laughing. Also, they I love don't it. Look like Valentino Rossi at all? No, no, no. You're mu you're much cuter. It was quite. It was quite random. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it seems like now whenever uh, the manufacturers introduce bikes, they have a big thing over in Indonesia. So it's obviously Jakarta. a huge market for them right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so yeah. We, we were one night, I, we were going into a little convenience store to grab a couple of things. And uh, there's this young kid working the counter and he's just he's just watching Moto3 on his phone from Sepang. <laughs> you know, wow. and, and, you know, we're we're in our hotel room and. MotoGP FP1 is live on their Fox Sports Indonesia. Every practice, every qualifying is is right there. If only that could be like that here. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. cool. Without the food poisoning, anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's yeah. talk a little bit about Kyle Wyman. You know, I did uh, I did a little I did a little research because my actually my memory wasn't as good as I thought. So I looked back at 2018 and I looked back at 2017, which were your two years so far of superbike racing. I've had three, actually, I... so you better check that memory again. Oh, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> these were the two that counted, damn it. Paul, you can't so remember listen. the research you did this morning? <laughs> no, I actually didn't. I did it this afternoon. I wasn't organized enough to do it this morning. But no, listen to me. Like the last, the last two years. I would have, if someone said to me, what, what was Kyle Wyman's best year of superbike racing? I would have said 2017. Right. Now, why I would have said that is because the, the, the memory of New Jersey is, Correct. jumps out at you more than, more than any other, more than any other Kyle Wyman memory for me, like on track memory. So in turn, I thought, yeah, 2017, that had to have been his best year. That's not the case because you finished 10th in 2017 and you finished 8th this year. Um, yep. I also realized wow. that I didn't know was, and that's probably why your season doesn't ring a bell as being as good to me because it started so well, but it didn't end well. And your yeah. best race weekend was actually in the series opener at Road Atlanta. Yep. Whereas the year before, obviously, is when it ended well. So, I mean, as the point standings, is all that stuff, does that paint an accurate picture 
as to which what what which do you think is your best year? I would I would say 2017 as well. Right. And, and it's kind of really like a podium finish just, just trumps all. Yeah, but also tons of times I was the top non-factory guy. I mean, all right. year at all different racetracks, you know? And this year we kind of didn't improve. We went down different paths that kind of got us stuck in, in ruts. And, you know, when you when you start questioning things, it's really tough to get out of that. So we started out really strong and, and the first couple rounds, obviously the first round was the best, but uh, it's been beat to death. But that tire uh, that started at road America, the new 260 threw us uh, a big curveball this year. And, and we didn't have, you know, I, I did my best to allocate some funds to go test mid season, but we were so behind the curve on everything that, we just never really caught up. So, right. As far as as far as help, obviously Gary Dean coming on. I mean, it it like you said, it might it it it's it's obviously made a difference though, right? I mean, it, I, that that team is so family based, and it's your dad, it's your mom, it's you. Um, but I think the 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 change with Gary Dean a, a big step forward, right? Oh, it's really good because you know instead of me like figuring out on Thursday at the track, oh crap, we are short on brake lines or whatever. I need to go right. order more. You know, Gary's like, hey, we're short on brake lines. I just ordered more. Right. And that's just one less thing, you know, as a small example of a lot of things he does that has helped a lot. So, you know, he's he's a big part of this program. He uh, He came came on board halfway through 2000, 2017 when he left the uh, Amin squad and we really hit it off right off the bat. So it's been a big part of it. Now, is it, is it too early or can you, can you talk about your, your 2019 plans or are we, uh, are we a little ahead of the game? Honestly, I, I want to say it's too late, but we still can't talk about it. You know, I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to, Sorry, some guy's knocking on the window of my car. <laughs> he probably wants um, to wash your windshield. Um, yeah, well, it's raining. Uh, <laughs> where were we? Sorry. We, um, well, we you, were talk, you were trying to get out yeah. of the question of what you were doing next year. Oh, yeah. No, I think he's going to Yeah, gonna I totally us. just made that up. <laughs> uh, no, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's too late. I want to get going. I want to get to work. I want to start announcing stuff and, and starting putting all the sponsors out there and everything, but I'm still not hundred percent sure which way we're going. Uh, right now our strongest option is actually a switch to a new manufacturer, which would be BMW. Mm -hmm. With, with so the new bike, Kyle, I mean, not to maybe not to start the season with, but with the new bike in plan, I'm sure. Well, in, in the plan, but that's really one of the many variables that is going to decide which way we go is, you know, how soon can we get that bike? So as every day clicks by, I'm like, all right, come on, let's go. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty, uh, type a want everything done yesterday. So, you know, I'm like, I'm chomping at the bit to get everything going. So 
And it's what are you basing a, that on? Is is it the new bike? Is it the contingency support program they offer? I mean, what's what's having you lean towards that brand? It's support. Um, it, this would be a factory supported deal, and we're just trying to iron out all the details and and bring BMW into the paddock in a big way. And I really want to do it right. I don't want to, you know, kind of dabble this way or that way. I want it to be official i want it to be proper and i want us to be prepared for round one so there's just a lot of moving parts a lot of different uh things that go into it and uh i'm in charge of all of them so just trying to sort through everything and where would this sit with your brother with the fact that last year he did race a bmw in stock 1000 um would you guys team up together would he still be stock 1000 uh how, how how might that work in a speculative way yeah, so the plan would be that he comes on board on on a stock thousand bike still, and uh, this is something that BMW is really liking is the brother aspect of things, and we go out there and we'd be able to share some data. It might be a little irrelevant superbike to, to stock thousand, but we still will be riding the same platform and have a good idea of what works for each of us. So that would be part of it. Um, but right now, I'm just trying to figure out how, how we can get this thing. And, and the contingency, like you said, is, is huge. They have a really good contingency program that pays all the way to 10th. And um, they have probably the strongest of any of the manufacturers in Moto America Superbike. So I want to support that. I want to encourage that, you know, that uh, they're jumping in like that. And I think uh, regardless of whether I'm on a Beamer or not next year, I think you're going to see a lot more of them on the grid. And uh, in Superbike as as well as it looks like Superstock 1000, I think they're going to have a few as as well. It, it um it's it's obviously a solid package. Um, have you have you ridden the bike? I've ridden it in stock trim, the current bike, and uh, I th I think it's great. Obviously, it has a lot of power. I think Danny Eslick had top trap speeds at most, if not all, of the rounds last year or this past year. So that thing's obviously really impressive as a power plant. And I think the new bike is going to be pretty amazing on paper. It looks, it looks awesome. Um, but you got to get it early enough to be able to sort through all the little issues that you just can't plan for. Now, Travis had Steve Weir is, I guess his crew chief and Steve is a, uh, is actually a BMW employee. So would you have Steve integrated into your team or would he be a technical advisor? How would that work? Yeah, for sure. He's super connected to Germany and everything they're doing with electronics. And now you've got a factory world superbike team and, you know, a lot of development going on over there. So that would be the biggest connection to BMW for us. And like I said, we're, we're just trying to nail down all the details and, and try to get this thing off the ground. You know, one of the things that's been real impressive about you, Kyle, in the past few years is you've really been extremely resourceful with your sponsors. Um, I, time, the concept of timeshares have a negative connotation, but I think of that a little bit. You have sponsors that you elevate their presence at certain rounds and you give them a little bit more activation, a little more exposure, and you're able to kind of rotate that around with, with some of your sponsors. Um, it's, it's, it's a brilliant concept. Are you going to continue to do that in the coming years or certainly in 2019? Definitely. And it's all completely case by case. Every sponsor has different needs and, and goals of their own. And 
fortunately, I've been able to kind of make some unique deals that tailor to each individual company or sponsor's goals. So this kind of changing sponsors gives us an opportunity to have more announcements, more cool new liveries, more changes and more attention that comes with changing sponsors and bringing companies like Cycle Gear back into the paddock after a very long time. And it's been really cool to have these relationships with Lucas Oil and these companies that are huge in, in not just motorcycling, but everything, you know? So mm. yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a result of, it's just not a necessity, you know, I don't have a single title sponsor that, that sponsors my team for the entire year. So, you know, let's split it up into rounds or, you know, whatever we got to do to give people an opportunity to get what they need out of my program. And it's pretty cool because, you know, it, it, a guy, guys like the motivation USA company that imports SC project exhausts, they sponsor us for the Coda and Utah rounds the last two years. And they take those photos that they get from those rounds and they use them all year. So my press release comes out for New Jersey and they use their, their own livery to push out the news of our team. And it uh, gives them an opportunity to keep that content going over and over and over again in relation to the team. Even if that weekend I have a different sponsor on board. So it's really it's cool. been rewarding for them. I think it's cool for the fans too, because you know, the bike does have a, a general look and feel, but it's kind of exciting to, sort of see, hey, what's Kyle's bike gonna look like this week? You know, the livery changes all the time. So it's it's kinda it's kind of a fun way to do things. It's it's a smart idea. Yeah, and as I, long as I, I plan I, ahead enough on my Thursdays to get the decals done before midnight. Um, usually <laughs> yeah, he's Thursday usually, night he's usually like, doing oh, I still gotta do that. <laughs> right. I've I've actually got a yeah. good Kyle Wyman sponsorship story. We were at V I R um I think it was, uh, shit, I don't know if it was 2017 or now that I know you actually raced oh, yeah. in 2016, <laughs> it might've been that too. But so he was, he, we, I saw him in the paddock. He said, Hey, he knew I was staying right there at the hotel inside the track. He said, Hey Paul, would it be cool if I used your shower tonight? And I said, yeah, you know, as long as I'm not in it, that would be fine. So <laughs> I get, I gave him, I gave him my room key and I went out to dinner or whatever. And, and he took a shower in my room. And then, um, so I come to find out like wh when he gets done with the shower and he gets dressed and all that, he, he at the, at the hotel in via at VIR that's inside the circuit, a lot of fans stay there and they actually set up like lawn chairs and barbecues and they drink beer and they have coolers right out there on the balcony, right outside of our rooms. So these guys were there all week, you know, and they're, they're actually pretty good. I mean, they, they drink a few beers, but you know, they'd go to bed at a decent hour so they wouldn't keep me up. So you know, I got to know him a little bit, but not as well as Kyle did. But Kyle um, comes out of the shower, gets dressed, goes out on the balcony, and apparently starts having a conversation with these guys. And the next thing you know, one of them becomes one of his sponsors. So it just goes <laughs> to prove that, um, you know, you should treat everybody well because you never know where your, your next sponsorship dollar is going to come from. And in this case, it came from the balcony at the hotel in front of my room at VIR. So um, another good Kyle Wyman sponsorship story is, shows that he's uh he's pretty resourceful and he knows how to go out and get these sponsors so it's a pretty cool deal that's pretty awesome that's gra that's grassroots uh work right there kyle nice job yeah um, yeah I have, <laughs> I have a question for hannah right now um 
Hannah, so I know from talking to you in the past that you, even though you guys, you and Kyle are from the same part of the, the country and the same part, part of the state of New York, um, you kind of met through Facebook, as I understand it. That's correct? Yeah. Okay. How did it come to pass that you, in, in a pretty short amount of time, are very knowledgeable about our sport and what you do as a pit reporter? I mean, I'm continually impressed by how you remember all the riders' names. You understand the intricacies of Super Pole and all that kind of stuff. I'm, I'm amazed. I've never told you this before, but I've always been amazed at how quickly you picked it up. And I assume some of it's obviously from Kyle's influence, but you, you clearly are a fan of the sport. Um, can you talk Thank about you. that? Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it was kind of one of those things where it's something I didn't know anything about. Road racing was a completely foreign concept to me. I had never even been on the back of a motorcycle until I started dating Kyle. Um, but very quickly, I, I fell in love with the sport and I wanted to be involved. I couldn't just stay home while he went to the racetrack. And even at the racetrack, I, I, wanted, I wanted to do something. I wanted to contribute in some way. Um, and so I just I asked a lot of questions. And I guess I think this season will be my sixth season in the paddock. Um, so the first couple of seasons, I just kind of like would pay attention and listen. And when he was out of town racing and I couldn't go, I'd be at home watching or, you know, streaming it on the internet as best I could. And eventually the opportunity kind of presented itself and I was really happy to take on the challenge and I'm still learning, you know, I, I ask as many questions as I can and I don't always say the right thing or you know, I'm still trying to figure things out, but, um, you working so closely with Greg and Jason this season has been super helpful. They've taught me a lot. And obviously I've learned a lot from Kyle and just kind of poking my head in different people's pits and asking, you know, what are you doing or what is that, that, that you're working on? Cause obviously the technical side of things is, is super foreign to me as well, but, uh, little by little, you know, I really, I like to learn about this sport and I want to learn as much as I can. And, and do as best of a job as I can to represent Moto America and really get to know these riders and, and share their stories. Uh, your background. So you've, you've done, you're kind of a performer. You've danced, you were Miss New York, uh, 2017, as we mentioned before. So you've done a lot of things where you've been on stage or, or presented yourself. Have, do you have formal training in, in broadcast? Have you ever had any of that? I did go to school for communications. I took some journalism and some TV production classes, but really um, nothing super formal. It was just kind of jumped headfirst into it. And, you know, if it was sink or swim, like either figure it out or you're not going to be able to keep doing this and be a part of this at this capacity. So, um, yeah, it was just kind of work hard and, and try and learn as much as I can and, and hope I pull it off. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. Okay, what I want to do now A lot of people think is... we actually... Oops, sorry. No, go for it. A lot of people ask me, they're like, oh, did you meet Kyle because of your job? And I'm like, it's really the other <laughs> way around. It's all, it's all his fault that I'm here. It is a great story about that. I love that part. Oh, so good. All right, let's, let, let's talk a little bit about some of the news that happened this week before we run, run completely out of time. Um, yeah. You know, there's obviously two big things. Um, J.D. Beach getting basically what is his dream opportunity and that he's able to go into the superbike class. His dirt track team owner, uh, Tim Stenson, you know, actually made it possible, worked out a deal with 
with attack performance. And JD's going to ride the attack Yamaha in the 2019 Moto America Superbike Championship. So it's very exciting news. I've talked to, I talked to JD. He's obviously over the moon. He's, he, he's a dirt tracker at heart. So it's awesome that he gets to do the dirt track thing. And he's, you know, he, he loves road racing. He loves the series and he wanted to go superbike racing. I could tell from, from the get go, you know, it, he didn't, a season of super sport racing again wasn't exactly what he wanted, but he thought, you know, I'll continue to plug away with this. Rick Diculus gave him the opportunity to ride super sport for next year, and he took that and in JD fashion was going to make the best of it. Probably figured, you know what, I work my butt off, and who knows, maybe in 2020 I get the opportunity to move to the superbike class. Well, that's actually came a year earlier. The guys at Rick Diculus were nice enough to realize that this was his dream. And they allowed him to uh, to take the opportunity, and now he's going to be on the superbike grid, and uh, and lined up there with uh, with Kyle and the rest of the guys. And obviously, Kyle, I mean, you know how good of a motorcycle rider he is, a motorcycle racer that he is. I mean, you have to think that he's going to adapt and be able to make things work. And it's obviously a quality motorcycle. You agree with that? Yeah, I mean, he's getting as legit of a shot as you can get. I mean next to being able to move up within the factory team, which I know was his goal since he moved to, you know, Graves Yamaha. So yeah, he's going to have a real good opportunity on a proven bike and um, Richard Stamboli with another winter to, to keep, keep working on that thing. He's going to be a threat for sure. So we'll have to see how it all kind of plays out, but I'm excited for JD. I've known him for a long time. We, we, grew up racing dirt track together and uh guy works as hard as anyone so it's it's cool to get him to see him get an opportunity and Kyle, and the second know, uh, sorry paul go ahead well the second piece of news that came through today or yesterday is the fact that pj jacobson's also coming to moto america in the super sport class now you I, I don't know I, I don't know how close you guys lived in proximity, but isn't that somebody else that you would have raced with as a as a kid or not? Yeah, he's um a couple years younger than me, but we definitely same thing. I think my brother Travis raced against PJ a lot more than I did, just because they were more close to the same age. But mm -hmm. I've known PJ also since like I I think uh you know, like two thousand, two thousand one, you know, dirt track you know, Northeast Nationals or wherever we're racing because it's about a four-hour drive from where he's from to where we're from. But, you know, New Yorkers kind of stick together. There's always East Coast versus West Coast and, and dirt track and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, it's cool that he's going to come back. I mean, I haven't seen him in a while, you know. He's been gone yeah. for so long over overseas. So, you know, it was cool to see him at Laguna this past year, but uh, he wasn't obviously was pretty unhappy with where he was. So I think it would be really good for him to get in super sport race against the boys, you know, Hayden and uh, Nick, Bryce, all those guys to be fun to watch. And, uh, you know, he's going to be gunning for a super bike spot in 2020 as well, just like all the rest of us. So it's always it's pretty saturated in super bike, you know, a lot of, a lot of good guys, not a lot of really good rides and bikes to, to, to ride, you know? Yeah, it was good to, um, obviously it was good to get that news this week, you know, based, you know, chasing hard on the, the bad news we got, you know, the week previous with, 
with Danny Walker's team having to uh, to stop. So you know this kind of you know that you know the 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 Honda deal kind of left everybody with a little sour taste in their mouth. And then right away, as things happened in racing, we got some good news that just perked everybody right back up again. So it was it it was good to get those two pieces of information and and get get the fans even more excited for next year. So go ahead with what you had there, Sean. Yeah, sorry, Kyle. I want to, I'm I'm chomping at the bit to ask you this question, and it, it kind of comes out of the fact that I had the pleasure of going up to uh, your Harv's Harley Davidson, the de- your dealership, your family's dealership, to uh, see be part of the reception that you guys had. And you know, I've always wanted to see that shop, and you know, I got a chance to see your bikes that you had growing up, and uh, Travis's bikes and uh, Cody's, your two brothers. And it got me to thinking this thing about JD and, you know, he seems he still wants to do some things in, in flat track. You made the transition and, you know, you raced XR 1200s in road racing, but have you had an itch to go back? Do you think you will ever do any more flat track in your career? And the same thing with PJ, you know, he hasn't really, he, I know he trains a little bit that way, but um, I'm just wondering if you guys always have that in your, your bones that you want to continue to do it. Yeah, I don't think it ever goes away. You know, I I was just at uh, Alpine Stars, so I'm actually I'm I'm getting to wear Alpine Stars next year for my suits, gloves, and boots, and everything. Mm. Really stoked about that. I just kind of got measured and everything from those guys, and I'm in there, and I'm like, you know, I have a I have a steel shoe from like 2009 that uh, it fit like a size 41 Supertech. Do you think it'll fit the new Supertech boot? He's like, yeah, I think so. I'm like, all right. <laughs> cool <laughs> you know it's go. like it never never goes away and uh every year i'm like oh, i wonder if i could do the daytona tt i wonder if i could do this or do that and uh it just never works out it's just uh you know i have to put so much effort and energy into what i'm doing on the rotary side well, so well they go they go to weedsport now do you i'm sure you yeah. raced a bunch at weedsport right i only went there once actually hmm. It, okay. it was uh i was racing a 85 at the time and it was like just potholes and we never went back but i guess it's uh you know get some proper track prep and you're in a lot better shape um yeah i I'd, I'd love to just ride i did get to scratch the itch a couple of years ago when the, the indian came out with the ftr 750 i got to do the press launch and ride the thing at the santa rosa mile and do a story for road racing world on it so I kind of got to scratch the itch a little bit with the the twin. That track was a little sketchy, wasn't it? <laughs> Telling me it was uh, actually pretty emotional that whole weekend and everything. That was the end of 2016, and they haven't gone back since. But uh, it was yeah, it was crazy to to ride that track the Monday after. The other thing I wanted to ask you, Kyle, real quick is uh, we talked to uh, Chris Ulrich on our last podcast, and he mentioned about how he showed up at the Yamaha champions riding school and he got to jump on the back with you and take <laughs> some fast laps. And he, and he learned some stuff about for his two seater ride uh, from your perspective. What was it like having Chris on the back? How did that go? He's a big guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, uh... Sorry, Chris, uh, but you, you know, if, if he wanted to go left and I wanted to go right, I don't think I could have overpowered him. So he was, uh, you know, luckily a, a good passenger and, um, it was, he was so stoked after that ride, he was fired up and that was pretty cool. He was, he was so excited about it. And, uh, he said it was one of the best laps, you know, he's, he's been on. 
So I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. <laughs> one of the things, one of the things he told us, which I never even thought of, because you know I had done the two seater ride, and I don't mean to make this about me. I'm not trying to, but Chris helped me to understand the fact that I was so impressed with the grip in those tires. And he said, you know, when you're the passenger and you're holding on to the handles or whatever on the bike, you don't, you're not on, you don't have the handlebars, so you don't know or you don't get the feel for where that tire is. And he he got to experience that himself from the back. That you know, you're you're clearly. You're, I don't mean to say you're at the mercy of the, the rider, but he, you know, you, are. You, you don't feel you are, and you don't feel it the same way. Um, did you feel any, any extra pressure <laughs> with him on the back to make sure you didn't do anything wrong? No, I mean, it, it's, uh, the same approach, whoever's on the back and, you know, it's not like we go around on a warm up lap and figure out, you know, what kind of passenger we have, are they stiff? Are they heavier than light? You know, whatever we just, we go into it, you go to the brakes and you stay with them until you get your desired result. And, you know, I mean, it was, I, I approach the two up laps the same, whether it's a brand new rider or racer or whatever. Uh, actually right before Chris, I took Ryan Villapoto on a two up ride and, uh, he wow. was actually pretty stiff. He was pretty stiff, but <laughs> I give him a good, yeah. I, hey, I mean, freaking, you know, five-time Supercross champion or motocross and Supercross champion, you know, he doesn't want to relinquish the control either. So, but it's it's pretty cool. It's it's an honor to be able to give him, you know, his first two-up experience on pavement and an honor to give the two-up guy himself, Chris Ulrich, a two-up and show them what I can do on a bike. And, um, you know, it's not the scary. It's a, it's a really good teaching tool. Like, like Chris said on the pod, on the podcast before I listened mm. and, uh, it really is helpful for the students. Mm. That's cool. Hey, Paul, I want to ask one more question, then I'll, I'll, I'll leave it up to you to, I know we're running out of time, but, um, is that okay? Yeah, go for it. Okay. So Kyle, we've got, we've got two of the three Wyman's in the paddock right now. I mean, Travis came back, talked to Cody a little bit. Um, he's right on the cusp and still eligible for junior cup. I'm trying to talk him into racing in that series. Um, what, what are your thoughts? Is he going to be in the paddock this, this coming year? I'm trying to talk him into it as well. Um, yeah, it's kind of up to him. He's going he's, uh, gonna have to find a little bit of help and support to do it. I'm willing to help him as much as I possibly can, but I, I don't think there's any reason not to try to jump into junior cup. You know, while, while he is eligible, he's, he's got one or two years left. I think he can, he can still do it. So I wish I could, you know, we, we didn't have junior cup when I was right that age where I would have been eligible. You know, that was it. You, you either raced a 125 or you raced a 600. And I started road racing on a 600 cause I was already 18 years old. So, yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, I, I was too old for Rookies Cup. And in my opinion, at the time, too young for a 600. So I didn't really have that good transition bike. And I think it would be really good for anybody. And I, I encourage as many kids as I can to stay in Junior Cup, to continue to race and get experience before jumping to a 600, because it can just kind of kill your confidence if you're not ready for it. Hmm. Good point. Okay, guys, I think we should let, uh, let Hannah finish drinking her wine. <laughs> let Sean. I don't have any wine her... yet. Well, you better start young lady. We'll let I'm Sean need some after this the... conversation. 
we'll let Sean put the other leg in his pajama bottoms <laughs> and we'll <laughs> we'll let uh we'll let Kyle uh get back into traffic and start driving and hopefully he makes it to Orange County in not too long of a time. And I'll go back to whatever it is I'm doing. Oh no, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go back to research in 2016 now that I know that year actually existed. <laughs> So I want to uh, I want to thank all of you, and I want to tell the the people who listen thank you for uh, for joining us every week on this podcast. Um, they're always available on Saturdays. Uh, you can basically get it however you choose to, and if you choose to subscribe, that'll make it even better for yourself and for us. And again, I appreciate everybody who listens. I appreciate the guests, and you guys all have a safe rest of your evening and rest of your weekends. And we'll chat again soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Paul. All right. See you, Kyle. And Bye, guys. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Don't guys. forget. Yep. Bye.